Hey, what's up? This is Mac on Demand, and welcome to a very special hashtag Black Gay Slay edition of Mac Talk on MacOnDemand.com. And today I am going to be chatting with the one and only Aja. Yes, that's right, rapper, model, entertainer, and TV personality. You may know them from RuPaul's Drag Race Season 9 and All Star Season 3, but they have proven to be much more than that. They're hilarious and hugely talented in so many ways, and it was an honor to talk to them. Everything from quarantine to the Black Lives Matter movement, Doja Cat, All Stars 5, and much, much more. You don't want to miss it. It's a good one. It's a good one. It's a lot of a lot of good conversation and deep talks. So make sure to stay tuned and give it a listen. And if you hear that noise, it's the chair, I promise. <laughs> okay, that's good. How are you? <laughs> Yeah, that's what, yeah, like emotionally, mentally, you know, mental health wise, you, you, you okay? You good? Yeah, I feel, I feel good now. I feel like at first, like, especially with the whole COVID stuff, because I was, um, I was on tour and I was in Australia and then, um, me and my boyfriend got stuck in, uh, in Los Angeles for a while. And yeah. And people out there were rabid, and I was just like, I like, and it was, it had just started and like, you know, we were staying at my, one of my managers apartments in West Hollywood, because I don't have a place out there. And, um. She, she lives in a very, like, uptight white neighborhood, so they were, like, one, every everywhere we went, they were sort of, like, taking pictures of us and stuff, like, do you live here? Like, why are you in this building? Um, which was embarrassing, one, and two, like, that makes me feel uncomfortable. And then, on top of that, like, in the supermarkets and stuff, forget it, it was, like, wild. Like, people were, like, pushing people out the way, like, people fighting over, like, little stuff. And I was like, bro, like, it hasn't even hit that hard here in Los Angeles. Y'all got, like, 10 cases, like, calm down. Ugh. I am so ashamed of us. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Oh, man. Oh, bless your heart. Well, I'm glad that you made it back to where you call home. That's that's all that matters. Thank God, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have some questions set up. Here's the thing, with everything going on, I don't know if it's going to be too uh, cerebral, like real deep and stuff. Or oh, that's where I go. That's, that's, I've, it... always, I feel like I always have these interviews and people want me to like talk about clowny shit. And I'm just like, I'm not that type of person. Like, I'm such a serious person. So like, uh-huh. people think I'm such a joker, but I'm really I'm so serious. And then people like leave the interview probably like, damn, I'm going to go take a long shower now because what the hell oh well let's do this let's have like a little therapy sesh we could we could do that because uh, i also have some like fun shit too if, if you want to but um i just with everything going on with uh of course the the protests um it just it's in especially with the context of what i do for black gay slaves talk about issues that affect the b- both of our communities that kind of like are just ah, the, you know, being black and then also being queer, and how there's so much that goes on that oppresses both communities, and just to bear the struggles and also the beauties of like both identities is just 
that's kind of just where I go. So, also, first off, how, how how are the protests and stuff in your neck of the woods? Is everything okay there? So, um, it's been like crazy. Like, I saw videos of like the protests happening, and I think a lot of people are confusing everything that's going on. So, I, I think I should make a point to say that like the uh, like the riots, the protests, and the looting are all three different things. And I don't think they all have anything to do with each other. Right. I think the people who are rebooting are sort of taking advantage of the situation and know that things are absolutely in the air. So they're like, "Let how can I go do this and I won't get blamed for it? I think that's what's happening because that, I don't see why anybody protesting would be doing that. And yes, there are people who are rioting, but I don't think their rioting has to do with stealing anything. Their rioting is more of the sense that they want to be heard. Yeah. You know, that we're just trying to like gain some awareness um, or let the, the you know the people who are should be held responsible gain some self-awareness like I, I think so right now I'm in a I'm in I live in Bedside in Brooklyn so like my neighborhood is, is pretty chill right now I haven't seen anything crazy I don't really live I live in the city but like in the in the in the hood in the city so it's not oh, like okay. so it's not like anything crazy has been happening here uh, I hope it doesn't, but at the same time, there have been a close neighborhood, like I heard in Bushwick, people were like throwing shit and setting shit on fire. Um, man, I don't even know. I don't even know who's doing it or what's happening, but I really refuse to believe that. I think it's all propaganda when people say that it's all connected. I don't believe that shit. Yeah. My anxiety's been hidden lately. I just, so I just want to get that out the way. Make sure you're safe, you're good, and everything's all right. I want to get back to you and your journey and everything. Knowing you as an entertainer, um, I want you to take me back to, well, do you remember the first time that you kind of realized that you were, I guess, quote unquote, different in the aspect of like, I guess, being queer and also like understanding race and how people are treated differently because of it? Yeah, so... You know, growing up, I grew up in this neighborhood, and uh, my neighborhood growing up was predominantly black and, like, Afro-Latino and a lot of Caribbean people. So uh, in my particular household, I'm adopted, uh, but I still grew up with uh, my mom's a light-skinned Puerto Rican woman, and my dad was a dark-skinned Trinidadian person. So uh, we always had that sort of sense of, like, I did like, you know how people, people grow up in other places and they don't see black people? Like, where I grew up, the only white people I knew were, like, my teachers. I didn't know, like, white kids. We had, like, one white kid in my school, like, you know, and, and it was, like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, you saw white people in the movies. You saw them on TV. I used to, everybody in my neighborhood thought, oh, you don't see white people unless you go to, like, Manhattan because that's where white people be. So I think it wasn't really until I started venturing out of my neighborhood realizing that I was really a a minority and still less than a lot of other of my friends who were way more dark-skinned than me because I still had that light-skinned privilege of sort of like being racially ambiguous where people wouldn't be able to tell where I'm from. Now, backstory, um, I I ended up meeting my biological parents eventually. My mom is is mixed race and my dad is Nigerian. So I still ended up on the spectrum somehow. (laughs) And I was like, all right. Um, But... I still didn't have to face it as bad as my other friends, but let me tell you something. I realized when I was really young, when, um, oh, and I'm talking about older, older white kids have, have, you know, called me the N-word, um, have, I've been followed in stores all my life, like, even to this day, like, 
if I go to like a high end store, if I go to like even just the beauty supply of the block, like you can count on it that there's somebody watching you. You walk in, you see them staring at the cameras in the front as you walk around, or like you see someone come up to you and be like, "Do you need help? Do you need help? Do you need help?" And I, I don't like that shit. And like um, my my babysitter growing up, she was she was Afro Cuban, and she she used to get so pissed. Like we were walking together. If I do need help, do you need help? And she would say, leave me the fuck alone. I don't need help. If I needed help, I would have asked you. But now I'm asking you to walk away. So please walk away. So it, it's been a learning experience. And nothing more was a slap in the face for me personally than when I made it on, uh, when I made it on RuPaul's Drag Race and I really got exposed to the world and not just New York. That's when my real like intense race journey started where I I got weird senses of support from communities that didn't know where I was really from and then the people who knew that I was half black were very, very nasty about it. Um, I would get like pictures of, of people editing gorillas over my face. I would get like people uh, sending me like death threats, sending me all this shit saying they were gonna send uh, they were gonna throw acid in my face and like it was like really crazy and that was something I, I'm not even gonna lie I never dealt with before being exposed to the public and then it became it also became the thing of having to explain where I come from because then I was too black for white people too white for black people and it, it, it was just like what is going and it, I think you know I'm in no in no place to say that my struggle as a as a mixed race person is above anybody else's struggle but it definitely is weird when you don't fit in anywhere and like you sort of are like trying to navigate because even even now my my whole social media has been I, I stopped posting about myself because I don't need to promote myself right now I need to promote what was going on in my community and what is what needs to be educated to other people especially my white followers because most of the Drag Race fans who I've accumulated are, are Caucasian and I want them to get the message to respect the black community and to be aware and to like spread more awareness because white people are more apt to listen to, to white people so, and I think people don't understand that like they're going to listen yeah. to you so you spread the message <laughs> um, but like at the same time I've been getting nasty messages like oh so now you're black and I'm like what like to me that is like crazy like I'm like First of all, and I think it, it, it's, this is the this is the truth, and I want to say this on behalf of myself and on behalf of, of other mixed race people. When you when you're mixed race, and I think this is what upset a lot of people with the whole Doja Cat like sort of like um, thing that happened yeah. just two weeks ago, poor timing, um, is that when you're mixed race, it's either you you carry your blackness with honor and pride, or you don't expect anything from the black community at all. And that's sort of how I've always looked at it as a mixed race person. Will I always be black? Yes. But if I don't respect and and honor my my darker skin brothers and sisters and community, I'm not setting an example for those people who have light skin privilege like myself. And I'm not setting an example for the white community who will be opted to listen to me more than they would uh, to one of my uh, darker skin brothers and sisters. And that's why I think it's important for, for me especially to use my voice right now because I'm someone who's caught in between communities. So I'm like a, a medium in a way where I'm like, no, we have to push this narrative. We got to do 
I love everything you just said. Um, you answered just so many questions because I kid you not, right below my first question was exactly what you were talking about. This right here. I was, I was like, some people who, it, it, it's crazy because you speak on it. Uh, you just spoke on it just a bit, but you've also been speaking on it since you have been off of Drag Race, um, especially on Twitter. People, I guess, seem to not know that you are black. And it just seems... Ah, I just interviewed um, Jamar Michael uh, from Dear White People, and he has a similar issue to where uh, I guess people look at him and they say, well, you're not black enough, or uh, they tell him he can't use certain words. And I want to know with you, how has that journey been like having to basically defend, you know, your heritage and, and, and how to, you know, go about that with, with people? So, to be honest with you, growing up, I never felt the need to defend my heritage because all my friends saw me as as uh, as black. So, it was just kind of like we were just chilling and it was just whatever. It wasn't until I got that platform where people were so suddenly confused. So, again, that's why it was such a struggle for me because I was like, wait, what? Mm. And then I started to have like this weird identity crisis where I'd be like, wait, am I not black enough? Am I doing something wrong? But then I realized, no, like... I, I should just keep going around my life. I'm not being ignorant. Like, I, this is who I am. And I don't need to prove that to people. All I need to do is be there for my community. Especially since a lot of the people who felt very inclined to ask a lot of these questions were not of the black community. Uh, so, uh, I went through a lot of uh, race policing where people will be like, no, you're this. You're this. I thought you were this. And I'm like, that's great that you have a mind and you are able to accumulate thoughts and I'm so happy for you but unfortunately your thoughts are not my reality and my reality is embedded in me and my soul and my and my ancestors and in my and my bloodline and I can't change that and I think also the big thing too is that people don't understand black comes in different colors and just because the, the word black is used to, to you know label the race, I say black with pride, but at the end of the day, black can come in different tones, in different shades. Like, people don't understand. Like, for people like me, they will either call me, like, a yellow bone or some shit like that. Like, that's the terminology they can use down south. I don't really know about that. But it is. It's like, <laughs> all right, I'm making sure. I'm from, I'm from like, the yellow bone, red bone, yeah, all, all of that, yeah. And it would just be, like, a light skin, like, a really light skin black person or someone who's, mm -hmm. like, mixed race, like, you know, I think people are not educated in that sense because, again, to a lot of the world, it's all black and white, black and white, black and white. They don't see in between. And the same thing happens in the Latino community as well. My mother, my biological mother is part Puerto Rican. I grew up with a Puerto Rican woman. And what happens is, is I think that uh, a lot of the Latino community doesn't realize that uh, being Latinx or whatever um, is not a race. You can be black and Latin. You can be white and Latin, and you can be um, Native American and Latin. And I don't think people realize that these cultures are, uh, are are byproducts of colonization, of when Spaniards and French revolutionaries or whatever the fuck they thought they were doing went to Africa, they went to Nigeria, and they went into Benin and Togo, started bringing homies over and started making everybody mate. And they were in cap they were like capturing these Taino Native Americans, and then everyone came together, and then got Puerto Ricans and Dominican. And the same thing with the whole thing with Dominican Republic and Haiti, what people don't realize is Hispaniola, the original island, was, what was happening was there was a racial segregation where they were putting 
all of the darker skinned people or people with African features to one side of the island and you know after the revolutions and all that stuff it became Haiti and Dominican Republic but they don't understand the history of these things and I, and I think that that people in the Latin community need to really brush up on that specifically because a lot of Latin America and Central America a lot of those places have a huge African influence and when they stay silent in these times it really says something and when they're dark skinned they go I'm not black yes you are you are black you may not want to be black because America not America but you know the the colonizers from back in the day have embedded it in your soul that you should be ashamed of being black but there's nothing wrong with it there's nothing wrong with it at all the beauty standard may tell you that you're not beautiful because that beauty standard is created by anglo-saxon features but that don't mean shit it i think it's important what's happening now because what's happening now is something that's happened time and time again and it's going to keep happening until people really are seen as as equal i refuse to believe that right now or even for any time since i've been alive that anything has ever been equal and when you know you asked you said something interesting in the beginning of the interview being queer and being black we're intersectional beings we're people who cross in two different communities that are both oppressed in different ways so you know and and it sucks too because a lot of times being queer you you become oppressed by other black people and people don't understand that growing up in a black community uh there's this sort of push for masculinity when you are uh born a man exactly and before so you're supposed to like protect and defend your family you're supposed to have that type of honor and like you know i see a lot of people today they're like talking about like the pride of a black man and how like being queer like you know dismantles that not necessarily exactly. And then it doesn't do that. It I think doesn't. what people don't realize is that there needs to be a balance in everything. And what we're doing is taking our soul, our spirit, our body, and whatever we have, and we're, we're doing whatever works to balance ourselves. Everybody's balanced in a different way. If you being feminine and being a black man makes you happy and that's what balances you, people need to respect that. Everyone's going to come to equilibrium in a different way. And you know what's crazy, too, is that I've seen many many a black feminine man still be heterosexual and have a complete family and children everything it, it's just that people are so caught up on enforcing these gender roles but they don't realize that that shit is a byproduct of colonization too and so is our idea of marriage so is christianity this, these are all things that were that were pushed upon black communities and and african tribes back in the day when they brought them over I even saw a post on Instagram today where some dude was like writing about, um, it was like an old ass letter from like the 1800s and he's talking about basically like dismantling the, the minds of African people to weaken them and destroy the backbone so they can like be converted and think differently. So, and then that was, that's what would be the domination of Africa. And I, I, I think that, you know, I just think that is crazy. It's crazy that we've let it get this far, but I think I think in the last 10 years or so, I can also say that I've seen a lot more black people try to get more in touch with their roots. I've seen a lot more black people like um, sort of exploring their, uh, their, like taking DNA tests, like African DNA. Um, I've done it too, like learning exactly what your roots are, where you come from and what, and how can you like relate to your culture? How can you like 
uh, elevate your ancestry? How can you do different things to connect with yourself? Because that's another thing is that because our ancestors didn't choose to come here, a lot of us don't know where we come from. So we're just we're just left with this thought of the black race as just one thing. But that's another thing, and that's another reason why black people come in different shades because there are different uh, origins of, of black people. Like you know, it's crazy. You ask a white person, "Where, where you're from? Where are you from? Where are your family from?" Most likely, they could be like, "Oh, I have a great grandmother in England," or like, "I have ancestry in Scotland." This and other. How often can you ask a black person like, "Where's your ancestry from?" And they'll know like, "Oh." I have, I have Sierra Le- I'm Sierra Leonean. I'm, I'm Gambian. They won't know. No. Unless go out their way to really find out. I tell people, my, like my grandfather's from Alabama. I know that much. And then there's that. You know, I, I yeah, you're, it's very true. It's crazy. I know there's uh, white people. I remember um, back when you know the Cosby Show was like really heavy on the reruns before you know what had happened. You know. Um, people were confused about at least white people were confused about oh they're a family why are they all different colors it's just it's you would think people would understand that it's a spectrum you know it, there's it's just different things that come out through your bloodlines uh through your ancestry it's just you hit on so many great things especially i, I want to go back to the idea of uh femininity because you hit the nail on the head when it comes to uh the black community especially any show of femininity kind of cancels out your manhood essentially if you show any ounce of femininity um it kind of just negates you being a man and all of this is just man woman whatever it's bullshit it's, it's just a construct um and we talked about how being a part of both the black community and the uh and the queer community but uh there's also a lot that goes on within both of those especially the queer community as far as like I guess sub identities and you kind of you, you really are a voice for that you know you're non-binary on top of being black and identifying as queer and then on top of being you know your gender identity is being non-conforming how has that journey been for you and what are like some of the biggest misconceptions that you kind of face i feel like um for one um I feel like with the whole non-binary aspect of being non-conforming, I feel like a lot of people think that there is an image to non-binary, but I think what they don't realize is the point of being non-binary is sort of like saying, I feel comfortable not identifying specifically on one spot in the spectrum, meaning that one day I could wake up and I could feel I'm my most feminine, and one day I could wake up and I could feel I'm my most masculine. It's whatever I feel and how I want to translate that. And um, I guess people are so used to just man and woman, man and woman, man and woman, that they don't they don't like that idea of not knowing but i mean you know it's something that that i feel like everyone needs to learn this this ideology and it, it just goes all the way back into time you might have heard of it it's called mind your fucking business what i feel and what i do is not of the concern of nobody else the same way that my sexuality and who i want to fuck if i am fucking you don't worry about it like it's like that part i think people are so interested in in controlling other people's lives and but that's the behavior that's taught to people that's what was taught with this whole like i don't think people understand how negatively colonization has has embedded into people and even into some parts of the black community where people have become so controlling and they want to control other people's lives look at all these people the the trump fanatics they're so interested in like 
you know, this and that and that. We need to stop this. We need to stop that. Why? Ain't nobody bothering you. Go, go home, Catherine. Go take care of your kids and go leave everybody alone. Like, why are you so concerned? That's my thing. And then people people make everything about perversion. That's another thing. And the, 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 yeah. it's something that happens to the black community and to the, to the queer community. People sort of like have this thing where they, they look at queer people as some sort of perversion to nature. If that's the truth. Now, why the fuck are so many are so many animals uh, are used to homosexual and homoerotic behaviors? It's all a mental mindfuck. It's a it's a social construct. It's that people want to have a control on how everyone is separated and how everything is like compartmentalized. Many start adding labels into the mix. People get crazy. What was the first thing that people started saying when non-binary and all these things started appearing on the on the internet and everything? Too many labels, too many labels, too many labels. Well, I'm sorry that your mental capacity is not strong enough to add another file. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, am I supposed to feel bad because you're a dumb bitch? Like, am I supposed to be bad because your your memory is incapable of remembering to respect another human being? Mm. Like, this is why this is why I do what I do, and this is why I feel like I feel like as someone who is a queer entertainer who is also part of the black community, who is also non-binary. I think it's my, it's a very important for me to use my platform to speak on these things. Because my identity is always is always being judged. And even if it's not being directly judged, when you, well, I think what other people don't realize too is that when you judge someone else from the queer community or the non-binary community, or you judge someone else from the black community, you're judging me. We're all in this together. It's not just like one for all. And I think that's what people don't realize. When you... And that's why I hate this excuse. I have a black friend. I have a gay friend. I I love them. No, bitch. When you sit there and you criticize one person, but you say something like your people, which I've heard and we've all heard, your people, or when you say like, oh, the blacks, or when you say, oh, the the gays, or the, you're talking about an entire community. Even when you, even down to the microaggression of just going. That black bitch, which I've also heard used very heavily amongst white queer people. And I know it happens. Like when people are like, oh, this black bitch, why you gotta point out the fact that she's black? Exactly. Like, that, people don't understand that that's what a microaggression is. A microaggression is when you don't even realize that you're tossing in someone's identity, their race, and, and, and who they are and using it as a form to, to hate them. Mm-hmm. To undercut their value as a human being. Exactly. And then people would just go along and be like, oh no, I, I didn't do that. Girl, I feel like people just need to own up to their shit. I think people, that's another thing, while we're going through what we're going through is because white people don't know how to take accountability. And when I say white people, I don't mean all white people, but I just need a big, hefty motherfucking portion of the community. Because the amount of people that I've even seen like comment on my shit, all lives matter. Like, and, and if somebody put it perfectly, I've been seeing this like analogy kind of like pop up on social media where they're like saying that means like if there's a fire in someone's house and the fire department comes around, uh, it's it's like saying they have to put out everybody's house fire, but only one house on fire. I think that's what it was. I don't know if that made sense, but it made sense to me. And I was like, yo, that makes sense. Like, why? If someone's house is on fire and the fire department's putting it out, why are you going to come? Yo, what about my house? Girl, your house ain't on fire. And I think that that ideology sort of applies to, like, how white people are acting right now. It's like, 
what I've been saying too is like, if you have never had to leave your house and worry about dying for, for no reason, you have so much privilege and this is not your battle to fight. And if you want to be an ally, you either educate people properly or you stay the fuck out. And I think that what happens is, is that sometimes white people want to be allies, but they end up silencing other black voices. Or they talk over the black community, and it's like, okay, Rebecca. These names. Take it back a notch. Take it back. Christine, get your friend. Bring it back. Bring it back. Like, I think some people don't realize that. And I, I, I feel like I'm grateful that in my media circles and, like, out of the, the white friends that I do have, I, I don't know anyone who was who, necessarily like acting in, in a negative manner towards the situation. A lot of the people that I've seen on my social media, I know personally, have been very like, you know, toward and like forward and being proper about it. But I know not everyone in the world is like that. And I know right now, um, People, it may not seem like it because a lot of us follow a lot of other people of color on our social media, but imagine in a world that right now in this fight, we're still probably outnumbered. Heavily. It's scary. Oh, it's terrifying. Ah, you know, we'll, we'll make it though. You gotta, you know, speak positivity out into the world. I only, you know, broke down two times today, so it's progress, you know. Um, yeah, I have- the other day too like uh someone posted a video and it was like you know those compiling they've been doing the compilations of police brutality and it just sucked because like you know i was just thinking like i'm tired of seeing like black people die for no reason like i'm tired of seeing these videos or black people being pulled over to be questioned to like it's literally like oh did you steal this car we're checking this which i'm tired of that like and that could that could literally be my could be my father that could be like my friends that could be me like that's such a scary fucking thought and it's like still less likely me than some of those people but at this point it's almost feeling starting to feel like nobody's safe and by nobody I mean people in the black community like it, it's just like I don't know speaking of everything that's happening right now I see a lot of people uh activists of some sort to speak politically on what's happening right now especially uh people like amanda seals uh angela rye uh diddy's even throwing his hat in and they're all kind of reverberating the same thing is that uh, the black vote is not free and i want to know from you because i mean i feel like a lot of us don't realize that we do have the right to demand things from our uh elected officials i want to know what do you want to see happen uh for the democratic nominee Joe Biden uh, going forward what I want to see is that uh, I feel like Biden has already uh, made this statement that he was going to be very inclusive and have supposedly a uh, a black woman as his vice I heard that I don't know if it's true I hope it's true but I also hope that Biden knows he heavily used the black vote by using the clout from Obama and kind of using that. I don't want him to just use that clout to do it. If you're really going to use that clout, be about it and do something for the black community. Like, when he, where is he right now? Is he speaking up about this? I've seen him uh, do some type of conference, and he's like 
out where protesters are, but I don't see him necessarily marching, marching. I think he's just making appearances here and there to show his face. If, I, if I'm being honest, it doesn't seem like he's actually in it. It sounds like he's just there. Well, you know, he needs to get his ass up and he needs to either go to the march, he needs to say something, or he should be uh, using the hell out of that Twitter the same way that our asshole of a president is. Like, first of all, if he could be there typing dumb shit 24-7, I don't understand why Biden, who's literally riding the black vote right now, and not even the young black vote, because let's be real, Young black people was not voting for was not voting for Biden. It's the older the older black folk were the ones who were like yeah. you know whatever because of Obama. Even my mom was like was like oh my god Biden he said he's gonna do something I was like I don't believe him. But okay, I want to see I, I hate it when people say shit and they don't put it into fruition. I just want to see him really make a difference for the black community specifically, especially since he relied on a lot of the black vote. When it was um, the, the what's it called the primaries, the Democratic primaries, and yeah. that, that's a lot of what helped him push forward. So I want to see him give back to the community for the now. Use the black community, and then you didn't do shit. Not shady. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like he really does need to. Um, I feel I, I've heard a lot of people say that he needs to be meeting with uh, Alicia Gonzalez. I, I feel like that's her name, uh, Garcia. Maybe I, I'm not sure. Um, I, think it, I think it's Garcia. Garcia. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I I don't know. It's there's so much that I feel like I don't know that I'm just now learning. Um, but basically, for anyone who doesn't know, the the founder of the Black uh, Black Lives Matter movement, and basically see how he can align his campaign with our ideals and see how he can implement those into, uh, you know, what he's running for. But, um, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of effort on his part so far. Uh, not any real effort. It's it's not like a lot of good words, empty promises, but nothing substantial. Because if he speaks up about black lives matter, he's going to lose all his white voters and they're scared because they want to win. But at this point, it's like, it's like, Fuck the white voters. Like, promise if you if, like promise something and keep it, and and be there because like really right now the the silence that's coming from all these white politicians, especially, is just like really disappointing. Especially because these are the people who are who are the leaders of our of our country. They're the leaders of our government. They're the leaders of our like entire like judicial system, our our legislation. These are the people who are in charge of our rights. These are the people who are in charge of our rights as humans, down to the bone, down to the teeth. And you're gonna tell me this is a motherfucking democracy. Mm. But nobody is saying shit. I mean you have you have some people who have always like um who have always spoke up for the communities, like um like uh, uh and people get on her for it. Uh she was um they call her AOC. AOC. She literally is like someone who I've seen actively speaking up for Black Lives Matter, but she's always stuck up also for the trans community. She's also stuck up for the queer community. Like, why is she not president? Like, can we have someone like like who's actually gonna give back for like doing right. something? I wanna see more of that. I wanna see more of even like the smaller people really making a statement on what's going on. Because right now all I'm seeing is another curfew, we were in a bunker, another curfew. They're looting. 
another curfew, this and that, and this and that. And I'm just like, that's not... And, like, I also... There was a video, too, where somebody said, oh, so what's going to happen uh, after the curfew? And the cop literally responded, we're going to start beating the shit out of all of you. Like, what? This is... This is, like... This is our justice system, our quote-unquote justice system, our, mo- our extremely unjust justice system. We have been living under the the rule of white supremacy, acting so like like we're safe for too long. And I think this is why this is happening. We're tired of it. We're tired of, of being picked out, whether we like it or not. We're tired of seeing the shit our parents had to deal with, our grandparents had to deal with, and the ancestors... We're scared of what our children, and, you know, and even if we're not having children, what the future is going to go through. If we don't do something now, it might be like this forever, and that's sad, that. and that's and that's the truth. I mean, I'm not saying to like, excuse me, that's how true it is. Bless you. <laughs> I needed it. <laughs> I feel like, honestly, I wish there was a peaceful way to do this, but it just seems that they don't respond to peace. And they they are, it's funny because our government and our, and the, 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 the white men who are the utmost privileged in the world who are leading us have sort of led us into the darkness at this time. And it's just like, there's no way to combat this peacefully because every time we, we, we ask for anything, we're not hurt. Every time we beg for something, we're not hurt. We can be crying for something, but we're not hurt. And then the minute we yell comes in, the old, holy microaggression of all microaggressions in the black people, they're angry. They're rioting. Yeah. They're this. And then you start seeing all, all the little white tees on fucking Facebook. Like, this is why this is happening. This is why this is happening. They're breaking into stores. This is not the way to do it. This is why people are so mean to the black community. And I've seen it too. And I hate going down those holes. And like, that's why I've been trying to stay off of social media for the last yeah. few days. But it, it, it shocks me like that this people... And how can you in 2020 really still think like that? Honestly, I wish that they just had, if they said, if they said, y'all, we, we don't prepare Venus, we don't prepare Mars, and we send it all the black people, I'd be like, out. fuck y'all, I'm leaving. Fuck, I'll be living in this hydrochloric, whatever the fuck. It's better than breathing in the same air y'all breathing where y'all want to dictate everything. I forgot who said it, but, um, I think it's so true. I feel like the only way, and this is just so fantastical, um, but I feel like the only way that we could have true equality among all the races is if aliens come, because they will be the new race for people to oppress, and then we can feel like, oh, like we're we have to band together. But I don't even know that'll help us, <laughs> honestly. Because then they'll have a watch. They'll find a way to be like, okay, they will oppress them, but they'll still oppress us. They still will. Yeah. They find a way. Look, let me tell you something. White people are are like the kings and queens of boredom. How the fuck you think shit got colonized in the first place? These motherfuckers got bored and said, "Let's sail halfway across the world with technology 
and let's go find out what's in other places. Oh, shit, what's this? Oh, we can own this. Let's take these people over there. We so bored. You know that's what's been going on. They're going to find a way. And that's the problem is that it, it's always been, uh, I'm bored. Let's find a way to be more powerful. Like, it's yeah. just like, I think that, I think, and I think that what, what, what is always going to be true is that, um, and I think that every white person should hear this, and I think that they should just listen to it. I think the sad truth is the more that you need to prove to yourself that you are the most powerful, the least amount of power you really have. I think that the more Amen. you're sitting there, it's all an ego. And I think that that what I think I think what would be so beautiful is one day, and I don't know if this is realistic or not. I feel like one day I hope that every black person can find out their complete set of roots, and I hope everyone just like starts like embedding themselves into their cultures, because I think that would be such a slap in the face to every fucking colonizer that had ever existed. Is if we just if we would if we just all started to do us and do what yeah. our ancestors. Regardless. Just come together and just support us and funnel all of our support, our money, our resources into each other and into our own. Like, it, it, there's amazing things we could do. It's just it, it, the odds are just forever stacked against us. It seems. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to uh, you personally. Uh, you being especially a creative and entertainer. Um, not only with this happening right now with. Uh, so many innocent black men and women, uh, just black people, period, just being killed. Uh, we're also in a pandemic. <laughs> so I want to know how has it been for you um, creating art um, without, without um, I guess, seeming tone deaf to what's going on? Because um, I feel like you, you do a very good job of that. So... Um one thing that I've really, I've really been trying to focus on in, um, in this time is uh, uh, I needed to, the, and the pandemic sort of contributed to this. I have been working on my second studio album for literally a year, and I've been like kind of procrastinating. So with the pandemic, I was like, okay, I'm able to like work on this. And uh, with, with the whole, right now, the protests and everything, um, it, it kind of made me say, okay, how can I how can I be online and not contribute to, how can I not, I don't know how to explain it. I just, I just stopped posting kind of. And I said, everything I post is just going to be about the community. And, and I'm not really taking an L for it much because I, I just want to work on my album. So I'm just mm-hmm. like working on that. And, you know, I was thinking about it. Uh, I've also been doing like, um, like, readings and stuff like I've been reading like tarot and stuff on the side to make some point and I was like you know if I can if I can do something like what I've been trying to do is give um, give a, a, a discount to my to my black clientele as well because I know a lot of people just want guidance or like yeah. I, I want to do something that's like able to do for the community that's allowing me to give back to the community more than just my activism because I feel like one thing that happens is like we all want to do more and more and more and more. Yeah. And we always feel like, I don't know, but like I even feel like I'm not doing enough. And 
I wish that I could be out there protesting and stuff. And, um, you know, but one, I have religious restrictions right now because yeah. I just became a priest in Ocha. Uh, and one thing that is a taboo for me is being in crowds. And that's a whole ass crowd. And Can I just commend you on, like, this amazing commitment that you've made and also, like, just having to wear white as long as you have, like, because there would have been stains all over me every single second. Like, me, bless you for that. Oh my god, we, me and my boyfriend, we eating so much curry, and literally, like, <laughs> I always get curry stains, and I'm just like, damn. I'm like, how the fuck am I gonna get this out now? <laughs> but it, you know, it was definitely was in order to get in, in, um, in more infused with my roots. Like, this is why I did this. And growing up with my with my godmother babysitter being Afro Cuban. Uh, she was very indulged in, in Ocha, and she also uh, had was part of some Angolan and Congo practices. And I also have Angolan ancestry as well. So, like, I just wanted to become confused. I want to know where I come from. I've been reading a lot of books about my heritage and what, and really what what my ancestors did. And like the cultivation of, of my religious practice has been. My religion is literally a, a byproduct of slavery. It, it literally happened because people from the Yoruba tribes in, in Nigeria were being brought to Cuba because they were being enslaved. And what happened was, was that there was somebody from my direct Ocalan uh, who was a priest in Ifa. And in Nigeria, Ifa is a big thing. And he took his, his Ifa like um, altars, the rocks, and literally swallowed them just to bring them to Cuba. He, you know, continuously did that. And then when he got to, to Cuba, he made fake obeles. Obeles are cola nuts with tied to chains, and they, if a priest used them to divine, they call them babalaos. He took orange peels and a chain and started divining Spanish men. And he, he made an agreement with one of the Spanish men. He said, if I could divine your situation and get you out, you have to buy my freedom. And he did it. He did it. And that Spanish man bought him and uh, and his partner's freedom. From there, he started uh, initiating other people in Cuba into Ifa. And they kept going on and on and on until eventually Ocha started making its way over because these people were crowned in Yoruba. And the way that it worked was that different tribes all had a different Orisha. There was a tribe that was for Shango. There was a tribe that was for Oshu. There was a tribe for Yamaya. And what happened was, was that when they all congregated in Cuba and they were being mixed up, they were sharing their beliefs with one another. So once people started divining and doing all this stuff, they were getting their freedom bought and all, all this crazy stuff was happening. They started to get together and they mixed all of their tribes together and all of their beliefs and created Ocha, where instead of one person becoming crowned with one deity from that tribe, they were receiving one crown but receiving all the different OCHAs from different units. And that was one way that they sort of got through that whole situation. But even within my religion, there has been so much racism. Because then, uh, a lot of Spanish people, um, like Spaniards, started getting initiated into into um, into it. And they started to like sort of like uh, Europeanize it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they started to like create this, this uh, Spaniard-type image for it. And in the 50s, it was in the 1920s that it came to America for the first time. 
uh, in New York, in Harlem, there were people who were getting initiated to OSHA, these like rich white Cuban women. And they were they were all like feeling the fantasy. And then it was, uh, there was this guy in my OSHA line, his name was Alfred Davis. His OSHA name was Umitoke, which is uh, it, it's a name for the waters. Umi is about the waters. He was a priest of Yamaya. He flew to Cuba before before the whole, um, what's it called? The, um, the embargo when they okay. when they like cancel all all um, all travel to from Cuba to the states, he got initiated into OCHA and he brought it back to New York for the black community. And he started to initiate all these black people in New York into OCHA. And then it was a lot. It was the first time that black people in New York really had access to some type of African culture that they felt they could be a part of. And there started the first black OCHA house in New York. And uh, basically, it grew and grew and grew. And now, it, you know, the community, the OSHA community is pretty much for anybody at this point. Because they'd be like Asian people in OSHA. They'd be like white people. They'd be like black, this, that, the other. But the beauty in it, though, was that um, that it started because of something so disgusting. Yeah. And then it was, the, it was what came of the, the congregation. So that's really what my, my whole... Um, my whole year has also been about is like my whole year has been about paying homage to my ancestors, but also wanting to have that knowledge and connection to my culture. And um, um, yeah, I know I ran on with that one. No, you're fine. That was that was freaking beautiful. <laughs> um, I only have like a couple more, like I think two questions left, um, mainly because I mean, one thing that I definitely wanted to touch on, um, or at least just highlight was how as again as a creative and as an entertainer you've you especially during this time um and just using your platform in general have always found a way to kind of speak to the issues um like you know you being a part of the the black girl magic show uh and 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 kind of bringing awareness to that beautiful platform that that's there Uh, and then also um i the I, what is it called draw the blood with honey davenport yes. that song and it's so like even more powerful right exactly now <laughs> it's it's crazy um i because you've always spoke on um basically racism and racism within the drag community um with everything that's going on i just want to know from you uh do you have any encouraging words or words of advice for young drag black drag entertainers who are trying to find their joy right now and how to kind of combat racism right now through all of this? I, I think my message is more generalized for all queer people, especially uh, black queer youth who want to become artists of any sort. My message is that from the beginning, the odds will be all against you. People will categorize you. They will say disencouraging things. They will use their race as an advantage against you regardless. And then they will say they're not racist. None of this matters. As black youth becoming artists of any kind, keep your eye on your prize. Keep your eye on your goals. And just keep moving forward. Just understand that in your skin is depth, is history, and is beauty. 
And that history and beauty is what's going to make you shine and transcend at the end of the day. What what is more important is call a bitch out when you have to, stick up for yourself, but always keep your eyes forward. I think that when you're a person of color in any in any artistry, people pull shit because they want to distract you because they know you'll get ahead. But resilience is in our blood. We always rise above. And I think that this is this is ultimately what Black Lives Matter is about. This is what all these movements are about. This is not about are we gonna survive or are we gonna make it? No, we're going to regardless. Whether you say yes or not, we will make it. It's about you admitting and you understanding that you can't make this disappear. Hell, your great grandparents brought us here. What you gonna do about it now? Amen. That's a word. That's 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 real. I see why you're a priest now. I get it. it it's making sense. <laughs> it's making sense. Um, I mean, I can just say for me, one thing that's brought me joy during all of this is seeing your uh, lip syncs on Instagram Live. Those are amazing. I, 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 what is it? Do you, what do you call it? The, the sad bitch hour? What is it? With sad? Yeah, sad, sad girl hour. Sad girl hour. <laughs> the all the emotional songs. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, I was like, I was when I, I started it when I was stuck in Los Angeles, and I was like, yo, every time we be going on live, people be like, do a backflip. I'm like, yo, homie, I'm in my living room. What are you talking about? Like, who's doing backflips in the living room? And I said, you know what? I'm not. I don't even feel good for that. Like, I'm depressed, bro. Like, I'm just gonna sit here and Man. depress the song. No, I, everybody wants to be happy. I, I take my CBD drops. And I get my feelings, and it's it's a it's a it's a it's a vibe. <laughs> yes, gummies. Ah, um. I, so I have to ask the obligatory drag race question, uh, just because I feel like there has to be some payoff for people who are who may watch this and they just want drag race stuff. So yeah, but um, I want to know because um, I feel like. It doesn't really matter. Drag Race doesn't really matter at this point. <laughs> like the, what we just talked about matters. But uh, just to keep it light and fun, and just to end off on something positive um, uh, that is not so like heavy, I guess. Not necessarily just positive, because, but uh, All Stars. All Stars is coming up. Uh, you're no stranger to Drag Race, and especially with All Stars, you killed your season. Um, Shake always there is no other answer Shake is always the answer <laughs> is always the correct answer to yes Shake see Shake and D all of the all of the above slash Shake there we go yes period yes see you read my mind I see, you really are in, in tune with your spiritual okay Read my mind because I was going to ask who you're rooting for. Also, I just feel like we we know the twist this season is them. Uh, they're going to be uh, going against lip sync assassins. I'm not asking you to confirm or deny anything, but I feel like Aja is like the lip sync assassin. So I hope to see. Call me. I said no. I said no. I was <laughs> really? like, no, no. Absolutely. I was like, I, you know, and it was an ongoing thing because there were other things that were asked in that conversation. And I was like, I'm just not interested. Like, I I don't really, like, have any interest in being in relation to the Drag Race brand. I spent the last two years sort of, like, diverting from it. Mm-hmm. I feel like the fan base is beautiful. The, the queens are beautiful. 
I like what they've done. I don't like the non-inclusivity of the show at this point. Mm. I also don't like a lot of the narratives that have been given to the, the black and brown queens. Um, but more so than anything, um, I you know I'm a, I'm a rapper. I'm not a drag queen anymore. Like for me, it's like it's like I need to find my new demographic. I need to find my new my new platform because I realize that that doing drag race and being exposed to these people and then um, doing it made me unhappy because I felt like I was in it's no it's become a novelty now. It's now it's mm. not. And now you're not being appreciated because you're an individual artist. Now it's just like, I love drag queens. I love this and the other. And like even even local artists like are appreciated for themselves. I feel like eventually to become a trophy or a sticker, and it's just like, Ooh, I'm not a collectible. Like I'm not. I'm, I'm a person and I'm a, an individual. And I, I in fact think I'm very special. And I refuse. You are. And that's one thing. That's one thing. Thank you. That's one thing <laughs> that. Um, but really really uh was hard for me too is to decide like do i stick to my artistic integrity or or do i stick around and get the coins i chose my artistic integrity i took it now i suffered financially i suffered i lost a lot i lost thousands and tens of thousands of followers um but in a sense i feel more happy um from time to time for shits and giggles i will get on instagram live and do a little lip sync for fun Mm -hmm. or like have fun but it's, it's really all lighthearted. um i love drag i think drag will always play an excellent big part of my life and it'll always be something that inspires me i just don't think that my passion is drag um i just always wanted to be a musician and i think i, I never believed in myself until i got the coins and now i'm just like okay now if i want to finesse that i can do that and i, I now that's where my mind is and some people have asked, like, don't you think that's a disservice to your drag fans? And I'm like, no. And I'll tell you why. If you're going to become, I think this is a lesson for all drag race fans to learn. If you're going to become a fan of the drag, you have to become a fan of the person as well. That part. And I think people dehumanize drag queens, and I don't like that. I was always the same person. For me, drag has never been a character. I've always been the same person in and out. Um, and I think that even if the person does have a character, you have to you have to understand the artist working that. You know, when you when you like puppet masters, you like the puppet or the master of both. You always mm. like both, like or I don't know if that makes sense, but like it's like that that sort of ordeal. Like I mean, without the guy moving the uh, hand, you have no puppet. I mean, it's all one and the same. Exactly. So you know, it made me realize that that. Um, I mean, I wish I would have went an easier way about it because I was a little messy about it. But at mm. the end of the day, I don't think much people have ever had the exact experience of like, I did drag race and now I'm becoming, now I'm a musician and you have like, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I've learned, especially after after my OCHA initiation, I said, I'm going to lay low. I'm just looking for peace in my life and I'm looking for uh, for connection. And um, I'm really thankful for my fans and my supporters who really have stuck by my side. And I have a lot of, of supporters who, who have jumped on to because they see what I'm doing, they like what I'm doing. And I'm thankful for that. Um, but I, I do hope that a lot of people, a lot of artists who come off of Drag Race also decide to eventually build their own group. I think it's inevitable that Drag Race one day will end. And I think that the momentum of the show has already sort of declined. Hmm. 
Um, I'm not afraid to say that. Uh, it's just the truth. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I think unless they start allowing different artists or like trans artists or like, you know, different people on the show, eventually people are just going to stop. They're, they're going to stop watching it. You know, it may seem all cute and all because they got high ratings this season, but that's because we was in quarantine. Because if I wasn't in quarantine, I would not have watched records. Yep. So, I mean, I don't, I don't want to be shady, but like, that, I'm just saying like... It's real though. It's real. And I feel like you really speak to the 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 situation at hand which is that uh they they would have no choice but to evolve at some point just like top model and they had i feel like they will definitely at some point uh have to integrate different forms of drag and just not just what they've been doing like i i i would hope to see like a season of drag queens and drag kings you know like how america's next top model had the uh the uh, men and women go together in one season like i feel like they have no choice but to evolve if they want to succeed and, and, and allow more. I think that the real problem too is that they're calling it the Olympics of drag, but it's not because one the things they ask you to do on the show, most drag entertainers don't do afterward. Also, a lot of things they ask you to do in the show, RuPaul can't do or doesn't do. And then another thing is that um, you know, it, it, it's not really a, a competition of drag. It's a drag. It's a competition of of drag in accordance to RuPaul's past career, like what she did, like, you know, coming up. And I am thankful for the doors that RuPaul has opened up using the show. But I think that, I think that um, at some point, people should start recognizing more positive influences in the community that are coming up right now. You know, we have a lot of, we also have a lot of drag artists from different places. There's drag artists from the ballroom. There's drag artists from different places. Look at look at Pablo Vitar, Brazilian. I love Pablo. Player. Oh my gosh! Like amazing, amazing singers making songs. You know, was the first drag queen ever nominated for uh, MTV Music Awards, Grammys. Like, mm-hmm. come on! Like, those are big accolades that nobody's really like even paying mind to. And I think like, you know. I think a lot of people for many years have sort of labeled RuPaul because of her current mascot status on Drag Race as, you know, the do-all, end-all of drag. And mm-hmm. I think that I think that Pablo Vitar is a good testimony of drag being able to surpass what, what you know, societal construct has allowed it to. So I think that I want to see more of that happen in America. Um, and I, w- I would love to, I would also love to see, and I know there's a lot of people who want to do that. But I think one one thing in order to do that, you kind of have to break away from the Drag Race brand. Yeah. The Drag Race brand does not allow you to become adjacent or bigger than RuPaul. And I think that a lot of queens have a, uh, have a a potential not to serve. I don't want to say surpass RuPaul because it's not a competition. Right. But I think that uh, there's there's big accolades and big goals for a lot of these queens and artists to really achieve if they put their mind to it. And I think a lot of them have sort of already kind of achieved those things. I mean, I feel like to start a show like that, I would hope RuPaul would want people to surpass her. I mean, in some way, not and not maybe not using that word, but everybody stands on the shoulders of somebody else. So, yes. I mean, I feel like that would without that, the show would be truly like without purpose. So I, I love yes. I love that. 
What did you say? Like, I feel like, you know, you have to think about it. Like, RuPaul did sort of walk so a lot of these queens can run. That is the truth. Yeah. But it's also like, you know, if you look at it in a way, um, it's, it doesn't mean nobody's going to eventually, you know, get in the car instead of running. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know what I'm saying, but like, I was saying, like, you know, it's time for somebody. I got to, you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, and you know I don't really have a passion for drag anymore so that person does not going to be me I'm going to be doing my own thing but I know that there's a lot of people who do have that potential and I really want them to, to, to go forward and do so yeah. I don't want people to just like be like well this is it yeah. that would be like a shame yeah well I, I forgot what the last question was <laughs> I had it uh, flowing in my head a whole lot more smoothly but I was just excited because again a huge fan I haven't done a, a, you know one of these since the pandemic happened just very excited to talk to you because again huge fan I think I, your music is your pin game I have to give it to you you are such a great writer um, a great entertainer Again, your lives bring me joy. Uh, they do. Sad Girl Hour. <laughs> Sad Girl Hour is it because it makes me feel my feelings. And I feel like more than anything right now, especially for our community, it's important that we feel our feelings and, and go through all the emotions so that we're able to kind of find some resolve in it and be, be able to pick ourselves up to fight the, this fight that we have to. Um, so I, I thank you for what you do in entertainment and your creativity is much needed. And I thank you for talking to me because I, again, it's, it's, it's an honor. And I'm, I was just excited. I'm super excited and I'm rambling now because it was so great to talk to you. No, thank you. I've had a pleasure talking to you as well. I think it's important to speak up at this time. Like, honestly, if you don't do this, like... How how will we get the message out there? Yeah. Like even even online, I think I think it, you know you doing this and and I'd be talking to you. This is another form of protest. We're protesting right now. You know what I'm saying? Like this is a part of getting that message out there. Yeah. There you go. You said it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Remember to get the full visual experience of this interview. Just follow the links in the description, or head on over to MacOnTheMan.com. Yeah.